Welcome to the October 16th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is Joshua chapter 10, verses 16 through 43, and the sermon is entitled, Continue in Victory, delivered today by Pastor Jeffrey Campbell. I pray that our hearts are hungry this morning as we take open God's word. If you open it to Joshua chapter number 10, Joshua chapter number 10, uh, turn to your neighbor, I'm not going to do it, turn to your neighbor and ask him, did they come expecting something? Do I hear any yeses? All right, grab your Bibles, go to Joshua chapter number 10. As we come expecting, as Pastor Clyde said, the Lord gave us just a little glimpse, just a little glimpse what it's like this week, and we're grateful to get that glimpse. Last week we began Joshua chapter 10. We worked through the first 14 or 15 verses together, and we seen about the Gibeonites uh, and, and the people uh, that had tricked God. In chapter number 9, the Gibeonites deceived Joshua and the people of Israel into a, a treaty that would spare their life. And, and chapter number 10 opened up, and there were five kings that came together, and they were upset with the Gibeonite people. And as they were upset with the Gibeonite people, they said, we're going to go take care of those Gibeonites. And as the Gibeonites knew that these kings were coming against them, the first thing they did was they hollered three words. Do you remember those three words from last week? Anybody? Come. Help. Save. There you go. I'm, I'm getting it out of you. Great job. Come. Help. Save. And with those words... Joshua and the people of Israel sprang into action, fighting a battle they, they, that they did not belong in. And so today we pick up Scripture with the sun standing still, with hailstones raining down on the enemy, and we pick up Scripture as they have gone back to Gilgal. And that's where we want to pick up Scripture today, but we want to knowing that, guess what? The battle is never over. Listen to me, church. The battle is never over. Once you work through one situation, you can almost guarantee something else has headed your way. Something else that you're going to need God in is headed your way. You don't know what that looks like. You don't, may not even know what it is, but it's headed your way. And today's title is this, Continue to Victory. Continue to Victory. That's what the people of Israel and Joshua needed to do. Let's take our Bibles, Joshua chapter number 10, starting with verse number 16, going through verse number 21 as we look at God's word together today. Verse number 16 says this, But these five kings fled and hid themselves in a cave at Machada. And it was told Joshua, saying, The five kings are found hidden in a cave at Machada. And Joshua said, Roll great stones upon the mouth of the cave, and set men by it for to keep them. And stay ye not, but pursue after your enemies, and smite the hindmost of them. Suffer them not to enter into their cities, for the Lord your God hath delivered them unto your hand. And it came to pass, when Joshua and the children of Israel had made an end to slaying them with a very great slaughter, till they were consumed, that the rest which remained of them entered into fenced cities. And all the people returned to camp to Joshua at Machada in peace. None moved his tongue against any of the children of Israel. We pick up the first point of God's word today, and that is this. We see an army in pursuit. 
In order to continue to victory, there must be an army that continues to pursue. Joshua has received five word, uh, a word that five kings, excuse me, are hiding in a cave. And what does Joshua do? Well, Joshua would say, well, I could go take care of them now. But he says this. He said, guys, I want you to roll big stones over the mouth of that cave, and I want you to cover that cave, and we will take care of them later. We'll come back to them because there's other work to do. Christian victory today. I want you to know Christian victory is not wrapped up in, in something that we do. It's something that God does through us. So I want you to see Joshua working. He's following what God says. He goes to the cave. He covers the mouth of it up. And he says, we'll come back to you, kings. We'll come back to take care of you. As those uh, kings now, you see how God works, are now separated from their armies. They can't tell the rest of their armies what they need to do. They can't give instruction or leadership. And it's exactly where they need to do. The armies are separated from their leaders. And so God begins to work, and Joshua begins to work. Verse number 21 offers us a word that I want you to pick up on. Verse number 21 says this, And all the people returned to the camp to Joshua and Makedah in peace. Do you see that word, peace? Man, how many of us want peace within our homes and within our families, within our world, within our nation? I want you to know this, there is no peace apart from God. Today, if you are here and you do not have God as a central part of your life and your family, you will not find peace. You wonder why our world cannot find peace, because God's not at the head of it. God's not at the head of our country. God's not in leadership of our country. Our country will not know peace. Where do I find peace? I find peace in the early morning hours. That's why I've learned to find it now that my third shift body is getting accustomed but in those early morning hours where I am with God, that's where I find peace. Once I step outside of that, it's amazing. It's amazing what happens because the peace seems to disappear as the people gather in. But I want you also to see another word. And that word is in verse number 19. Look there, if you will. Verse number 19, it says, And stay ye not, but pursue after your enemies. And smite the hindmost of them to suffer them not to enter into their cities. For the Lord your God hath delivered them unto your hand. I, I believe that God is a God of order. And here the word I want you to see is pursuit. You see, they, they put the rocks over the cave. The army covered the cave so the kings had to stay. But here is what this verse says. All of you cannot stay here. You see, what people would have done, they would have took off their jackets and they would have camped out at the mouth of the cave. And they would have stayed there and they would have been comfortable with what God was getting ready to do. We've got the king's trap. We're good to go now. The, the original text of this word says this, that these people cannot sit still. Friends, I want you to know that there's always an enemy, but there always needs to be a pursuit from the people of God. Listen to me here. You must be pursuing God or you are sitting still. Those are your two options. Those are my options. Either I am in pursuit of God or I'm sitting back waiting on somebody else to do it. 
And I believe today, if Clifford Baptist Church would become an army in pursuit of a Savior, God would do some amazing things with just a few people that are here even today. I'm calling you to be an army in pursuit. Do not pursue your enemy, but pursue your God. I know that today, the pursuit of many of us, we focus our attention on Satan and he gets all the attention. And I know that apart from God, I am no match to Satan. So I need to pursue and I need to run after God. The key to a Christian victory is this, is that we must pursue God. Listen to these verses real quick. You can jot them down. You don't have to turn there. But Isaiah 55, verse number 6 says this. Seek ye the Lord. Underline those words. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. John chapter number 6, verse number 44 says. No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me to draw him. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. It's not about you and me or you and I pursuing an enemy. It's about how well we are pursuing our Savior. As a Christian, you are either found pursuing or you are found standing still. Those are hard words. Because many times in my life, as I look back, there have been periods of time where I stood still. And when I mean periods of time, it's not one day, friends. Weeks and months and even years are lost by people hanging around, sitting around, waiting on somebody else. Hey, as we see Joshua here today, the mouth of the cave is covered. The enemy is trapped. No more needs to be done. Just pursue. Pursue the enemy don't everybody stay here. In just a few minutes, we're going to open the back of these doors and we're going to send you to a desperate world that needs to see you pursuing your Savior, you pursuing God. We must be an army that pursues Jesus like none other. You know what my vision, some people say, Jeffrey, Pastor Jeffrey, what is your vision? One of my strongest visions of Clifford Baptist Church is that our Sunday school classes would be, be a priority to the people of God. That's where you pursue Jesus. You pursue Jesus in Sunday school. I learned that as a five-year-old kid, and I've never forgotten it. Where did I learn it at? Sunday school. I learned it in Sunday school, and I've never let back. Some of us have learned lessons at five and six years old, and we've forgotten what God has called us to do. My vision is that Clifford Baptist Church would have many of you, many of every one of you sitting in a Sunday school class pursuing God together. Also, Wednesday nights. One of the greatest things that happens here on Wednesday nights is we take the Word of God and we open it across every age group in this building. Every age group gets exposed to the truth of God. Wednesday nights is important as you pursue God. Friends, today, I want you to know who you are pursuing matters. And it shows. Today, church, I want to call you to be an army in pursuit of the Savior. You take the steps necessary to quit standing around like I did and follow God. Get where we need to to pursue after our Savior.
So we leave this set of texts with an army being called out to pursue the enemy. And I want you to see that the pursuit comes before the peace. You will never have peace until you pursue God. I want to challenge you, church, to pursue your God. Point number two comes from verses 22 through 27. Look at those verses with me this morning. And Joshua said, open the mouth of the cave and bring out those five kings unto me out of the cave. And they did so, and they brought forth those five kings into him out of the cave, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon. And it came to pass when they brought out those kings unto Joshua, that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and said unto the captains of the men of war, which went with him, Come near, put your feet upon the necks of these kings. And they came near and put their feet upon the necks of them. And Joshua said unto them, Fear not, nor be dismayed. Be strong and have good courage, for thus shall the Lord do to all of your enemies against whom ye fight. And afterward Joshua smote them and slew them and hanged them on five trees. And they were hanging upon the trees until evening. And it came to pass at the time of the going down of the sun that Joshua commanded and they took them down off the trees and cast them into the cave wherein they had been hid and laid great stones in the cave's mouth which remain until this day. Point number two today. In order to continue to victory there needs to be an enemy that is under their feet. There is an enemy that is under the feet. I want you to know as I read this and I see the story playing out as they have chased the few that, that lived and remained to their fortified cities. They've come back and they experienced a time of peace. And, and Joshua says, guess what? We've got to take care of those five kings now. We, we take the stones off of the mouth of the cave and you bring them to me. As Joshua calls the kings, he also calls the captains of his army. And he tells those captains of his army, here's what I want you to do, captains. I want you to take your foot and I want you to put it on the neck of your enemy. You might sit here to say, wow, Jeffrey, that's, that's, that's brutal. It is brutal. Well, what's even worse than that, not only do they put their, their foot on the neck, they go ahead and they kill them and they hang them in trees for a witness and a testimony of what God can do. Let me ask you something this morning. As we look at these five kings that have been brought forth before uh, uh, Joshua and his company, Joshua calls those captains to do something that it may cause some of us in here to cringe. To take the foot and put it on the neck of the enemy. Why would God do that? Why would God call us to do that? And that is this. He was getting ready to show them that no one, no one, no one would be left before his people we have to wipe out everybody well as I read this scripture today I want you to know that my mind went to one place and some of you probably knows where that know where that place is Genesis chapter number 3 verse number 15 I want you to listen to this verse Genesis chapter number 3 verse number 15 it is the first gospel that you will a gospel account that you will get to in your Bible and here's what it says just after Adam and Eve sinned against God Here's what it says. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. From the very beginning, there was war. And I know that some of this may 
hurt your feelings, but from the very beginning, war was set out between the people of God and the enemy of God. Between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. There is enemy, uh, an enmity there. There is a warfare there. And it has not stopped. Warfare has not stopped. Today, there's warfare that you and I see between believers and non-believers. There's warfare today on our end between God's people and God's enemies. And so today, I want you to know the warfare is still there. But you and I hold and cling to a hope that the seed of a woman was bruised by the serpent. But friends, the serpent's head is very close to the foot of Jesus. I want you to know that right now, Jesus Christ has his foot on the neck of Satan. He has yet to crush his head, but he will one day. Oh, that should make you say amen just a little bit louder. Amen. Amen. Friends, I want you to know that as we see in Genesis chapter number 3, we also see in Joshua chapter number 10, the enemy is under their feet. Well, what does that mean for you and I today? And I, as I think about this, 400 years, the people of Canaan land had an opportunity to turn to God, and they have not done it yet. The leader of the enemy, these kings were called to be an example to all those that would witness and hear about it as Joshua was here as God's man and God's time to lead God's people. And God was taking charge. As that foot was uh, placed on the neck of the enemy, it tells us that God is still in charge. Today, faithful Christians at Clifford Baptist Church, how many of you believe that God is still in charge? Amen. We do. We do. But sometimes we forget God has his foot on the neck of Satan. He's going to squirm a little bit. We'll hear from him every now and then. But one day his head will be crushed in the lake of fire. And I'm grateful for that day. I look forward to witnessing that day. But for you and I, how do we take this scripture and apply it to our life? How do we use this tough scripture to interweave it with what we do? Well, here's what I want you to know. Number one, God is in charge. And friends, as we think about being an army and a people that that want to pursue him, and as we think about an enemy under the foot of Jesus, we need to be people that are actively believing and pursuing and knowing the truth that is Jesus Christ. We need to place our foot on the things that are trying to take over our life. And you need to squash those lies that the devil allows to come into your head. Some of you... Listen to me, some of us, I'm going to put myself in here, some of us believe a lie. And today, there may be somebody even in this room today that's living a lie. Today, I want you to know that the enemy wants you to believe every bit of it. The enemy wants you to believe there's no such thing as hell. The enemy wants you to believe that everybody goes to heaven. The enemy wants you to believe all of these non-truths about the Bible and what you and I need to do is to put that under our feet. We need to squash it with the Word of God. Friends, today, this week has taught me, has taught me a little bit about this. I know that in a very special way, these baptisms this week, and I know uh, Wednesday night as 13 people prayed for Jesus Christ to come into their life, I know that Satan was angry 
I know that. And just a little bit, Wednesday night, here's what we did. We put the foot on Satan just a little bit more. We've got him under our foot, church. Will we be an army that pursues a Savior instead of the lie? That's what I want every heart, every person, every soul here to do. There's one more point as we move on in our scripture today. And that is this. It comes from the rest of the chapter, 28 through the end of the chapter. And here's what it says. And that day Joshua took Makeda and smote it with the edge of the sword. And the king thereof, he utterly destroyed them. And all the souls that were therein, he let none remain. And he did to the king of Makeda as he did unto the king of Jericho. And Joshua passed from Makeda and all of Israel with him unto Libna and fought against Libna. And the Lord delivered it also and the king thereof into the hand of Israel. And it smote it with the edge of the sword and all the souls that were therein. He let none remain in it, but he did unto the king thereof as he did unto the king of Jericho. And Joshua passed from Libna and all Israel with him into Lachish and encamped against it and fought against it. And the Lord delivered Lachish into the hand of Israel, which took it on the second day and smote it with the edge of the sword and all the souls that were therein according to all that he had done to Libna. Then Horam, king of Gezer, came up to help Lachish. And Joshua smote him and his people until he had left them none remaining. And from Lachish, Joshua passed into Eglon and all Israel with him. And they encamped against it and fought against it. They took it on that day and smote it with the edge of the sword. And all the souls that were therein he utterly destroyed that day according to all that he had done in Lachish. And Joshua went up from Eglon and all Israel with him unto Hebron and they fought against it. And they took it and smote it with the edge of the sword and the king thereof. And all the cities thereof and all the souls that were therein, he left none remaining according to all that had been done in Eglon, but destroyed it utterly and all the souls that were therein. And Joshua returned and all Israel with him to Debir and fought against it. And he took it and the king thereof and all the cities thereof. And they smote them with the edge of the sword and utterly destroyed all the souls that were therein. And he left none remaining as he had done to Hebron. And so he did to Debir. And into the king thereof, as he had done unto Libna and to her king. So Joshua smote all the country of the hills and of the south and of the vale and of the springs and all their kings. He left none remaining, but utterly destroyed all that breathed as the Lord God of Israel commanded. And Joshua smote them from Kadesh Barnea, even to Gaza, and to all the country of Goshen, even unto Gibeon. And all these kings and their land did Joshua take at one time. Listen to this. Here's what you need to underline in verse number 42. Because the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. And Joshua returned and all Israel with him unto the camp of Gilgal. Point number three. I know you got tired of hearing it. Just like sometimes we get tired of reading it. We just brush over it really quick. But it's the same thing happened in every city. Joshua showed up. He conquered that city, he killed everybody there, and he moved on. And over and over in every city, that's what Joshua did. Point number three is this. An, ar an army that continues to victory fights, takes, and destroys. Fights, takes, and destroys. As we look toward the end of this chapter, the cities that are offered uh, for our understanding and for our knowledge are these. There were three royal cities that were mentioned. Makeda, Libna, and Debir. These were royal cities who still had their kings. And guess what happened to them? Joshua marched in. He took their kings. He destroyed their kings. He destroyed their city. He took everything and he moved on to the next one. 
But these royal cities were important in the Canaan land to capture because out of these cities went the word of what God would do. There were three king, there, excuse me, there were three cities that were mentioned of the five kings that were killed earlier that, that, were, that, that, that uh, Joshua had trapped in the cave. He took those cities, the city of Lachish, the city of Eglon, and the city of Hebron. One king tried to come in the battle. In verse number 33, the king of Gezer, Horham, tries to jump in the middle of something he probably shouldn't have. And what did Joshua do to him? He killed him, he conquered, took everything he had, and he moved on. Well, pastor, that's a whole lot of killing here. This is what God called his people to do. Listen to me. To go into the promised land and to take it by force. If anyone stands in your way, you are to take care of them. I go before you is the promise from a holy God. Do not make any more treaties. Do not make any more compromises. You go in, you destroy, and you take care of business, and you claim what is rightfully yours. In a land of opportunity and freedom, which this land was to the people of Israel, they had to go and still work and do their job. Yes, God gave it to them, but they still had to do the work. In the greatest land of freedom that this country knows today, you and I live in the greatest country of freedom. And God calls us to do so much. Not only here in Clifford, but in our nation and in our world. And Christians today are comfortable just sitting back, hoping God will do something. Today I look to an army. Today I look to an army that will stand up in a land of freedom. With the message of Jesus Christ has changed my life, and I know he will change yours who will walk out of this door and face a nation that needs that desperate message today. I'm not calling you to go out these doors and, and fight and kill and destroy, but what I am calling you is to take the gospel message of Jesus Christ, to walk out of these doors and let God go before you and go and win the battles that are around you. Some of those battles right now reside within your own homes. Today we see a message that is completed that is followed through with, and what will God do with it? Here's the reminder. I told you to underline it. Verse number 42. And all these kings and their land did Joshua take at one time because the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. How many believers today know that God is fighting for you? How many of you will walk out of here with your head held high, not too high, not too proud, not that you are above anyone, but will hold your head high knowing that you have a God that wins the battle for you, that fights for you, and that will destroy the enemy. Some of you this morning in this room or maybe even watching live stream are letting the enemy win the battle. Today, I believe this is a true call to refocus our minds and our lives on a Christ that calls to complete obedience from every one of his people. I heard once as a young boy, and I've grown to learn what it means, if it's not 100% obedience, 
it's disobedience. If it's not 100% obedience, it's disobedience. How many of us will understand that the Lord fights for us and that we need to always look for Him to win the battle? The Lord fights for us. We need to let Him fight the battle. But He calls us into action. An action of complete obedience in our faith walk. I'm thankful today that as we look at this chapter, God has reminded a pastor that even though a mistake, even though a place where Israel should not have been, God used it. He used it to defeat five nations at one time. He used it to defeat the enemy. But Israel should have never fought this battle. They were pulled into it. But God still used it. If you look at my life, I hope that you will somehow see that God has used missteps and mistakes to continue to work. And that's all I want you to do with your life. As people look to you, as people look to us, as the people of God, that outside of this doors they will see a people that have messed up and that have misstepped, and yet God is still in control. God is calling us to a pursuit. God is calling us to put the enemy in its place. And God is calling us to complete obedience today. Friends, in this moment of invitation, that as we invite the Holy Spirit to begin to work right now, I pray, I pray that God begins a work in our own hearts first. The victory for the Christian, today, if you are a believer, it happens every day when you die to yourself and you look to God. We need to do that. I need to do that. But maybe today you are here and you've never, ever, never, ever accepted Christ into your life. I want you to know this hard truth. You will never, ever know complete victory until Jesus is at the center of your life and your heart. And I want you to know that His payment for that sin on an old, rugged cross is the key to a victorious life. I want you to know This is not prosperity gospel today. God wants to lead your life in a victorious way. He wants to put Satan in his place, and he wants to be on the throne of your heart. Today, if you've never allowed him that opportunity to come and live in your heart, on the throne, take advantage of it right now. As we bow together, church, God is calling this army to gather up, to pursue him, and to follow him daily. Let's go to God in prayer. Father God, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity and we thank you for your holy word. We thank you for a people of Israel that teach us what faithfulness looks like. It's not always pretty. But Lord, in complete faithfulness, they followed you step by step doing exactly what you told them to do. Lord, today, if there is somebody in this room or maybe even watching live stream that needs to take those next steps of of complete obedience and following God. I pray that happens right now. Lord, not by a pastor's voice, but by the Holy Spirit's power. God, I pray that you draw near to that heart today. Lord, ultimately, if there's one person here in this room that has never given their heart to Jesus, Lord, I led 13 young people this week in, in that prayer, and I want to give somebody maybe sitting here today an opportunity to pray that same prayer. Father God, I am a sinner. Lord, I know that I don't deserve your love. I don't deserve victory through you. Lord, you laid your life down 
on a wooden cross for my sin. You died for me. And three days later, you rose to defeat death, hell, and the grave. And so I serve a living God. Lord, today I want you to save me. I want you to change my life. Today I will raise my head and look to you as the whole of the sole purpose of my life, the leader of my life. I raise my head to you. Today, if you've prayed that prayer, God has changed your life. Lord, today, I pray, Lord, that you move in this moment of invitation. If there's somebody that needs Jesus, wants to tell this congregation what the Lord has done today, I pray they come. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we give this moment of invitation to you now, and you move as only you can. In Jesus' name. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.